You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From beneath the Hollywood sign is the gin joint for you. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I am Rafer Guzman, teenage werewolf and film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and overseer of Witch Mountain. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and terrifying movie and TV recommendations for whatever scares you. No, we are not real therapists. We are not real vampires. But we are real film critics, and we are very excited for this very special Halloween edition of Movie Therapy. (laughs) So, Rafer, do you want to read the first letter? I will. I'll read the first letter. This one comes from Jason. Hold on. Is this Jason with the hockey mask on? Is this Jason with the... (laughs) I hadn't even thought about that. Crystal Lake? You know. Is this Michael Myers? I don't know. That's a good, that's a very good question, Kristen. Well, he's calling himself Jason. Uh, He says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, despite loving Halloween, neither my wife nor I are particularly fond of horror movies, haunted houses, or any of the scary stuff that pops up this time of year. For us, the holiday is mostly about carving pumpkins, decorating, wearing costumes, and handing out candy to the kids in the neighborhood. Sadly, this year, trick-or-treating is canceled in my area due to COVID, so we've decided to try to make it a date night on the couch instead. Do you have any suggestions for non-scary Halloween rom-coms? And does this genre of movie even exist? Oh, I love it, Jason. I also love that for you, Halloween isn't about the scary stuff, because (laughs) I have to say, when I was a little kid, my parents... they. They sometimes assumed I could handle more than I could. I remember they brought me to a haunted house once. Yeah. I had nightmares about that haunted house for years. <laughs> they also showed me like the day after that movie about the nuclear holocaust when I was a little kid. <laughs> not... I'm like, I'm too young for this stuff. Why are you showing me this stuff? So The, what, the Jane yeah. Alexander one? That's, just, that's not uh, scary. It's just depressing. I mean, it's existentially scary, but it's not like boo. <laughs> it was scary for me. And Ray, for you know to this day... You know this from sitting next to me in many, many, many oh, yeah. horror movies. I just scream my head off the whole time. Oh yeah, I'm terrible. Yeah, yeah. I still have I still have uh, three uh, long bruises from the imprints of your fingers <laughs> around my wrist, probably from about two years ago. Last time you grabbed my wrist like that. <laughs> oh, that Crimson Tide! So terrible, so scary. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know that is kind of funny. I, I mean, I'll be honest. 
I was never a big Halloween fan myself either. You know, and I was I was super into goth when I was a kid too, but I never liked Halloween that much for some reason. I don't know. It was a little it was a little too cartoony or something. I don't know what. It was not like a big favorite of mine as a kid. I did I did dress up and do my own costumes. In fact, I was just watching Hubie Halloween, the Adam Sandler uh, Netflix movie, which I would not recommend to any living soul on earth. But I was really embarrassed because the kind of nerdy kid, he's kind of like the nerdy, cute kid. And he's a little bit too old for costumes and he makes his own robot costume. And I just, I had this moment where I thought, oh Christ, I made my own robot costume. It looked exactly like that. Um, but, you know, Halloween rom-coms as a genre, that's a that's a tough one. Not, I, I couldn't think of a specifically Halloween rom-com, a non-scary one. That was the real that was the real problem. You could almost maybe sort of say Scream, but Scream's pretty scary. Scream's pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are several out there. They might not necessarily be called Halloween rom-coms, but but I think there are a few things that'll fit the bill. And I know you came up with something, Rafer, so I'm curious what it is. Yeah, I did come up with something. I, I don't know how good it is, but I'm just going to go ahead and, and and suggest this. And and what I was really thinking of was something sort of macabre, but not that scary. And it's not really Halloween themed exactly, but uh, I was actually thinking of another Adam Sandler Netflix movie uh, from last <laughs> now year. Now that you've just told us not to I, watch the last one. I know. Well, that's, I still stand by that. <laughs> Um, but this one is called Murder Mystery from last year. Do you know this one, Kristen? Yes, it was on Netflix, and it is absolutely a rom-com, and it is a murder mystery. It, the, the title tells the truth about what it is. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, and the story itself is about as simple as that title. Uh, you know, Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston play the Spitzes. There are a couple of Americans on vacation, and they get invited onto a wealthy man's yacht. I think basically because Jennifer Aniston's so good-looking, there's a dashing sort of lord or count type uh, who invites her on the yacht. And while they're out sailing in international waters, uh, one of the guests turns up dead. And suddenly Nick and Audrey are among the suspects, and so they take it on themselves to solve the crime. Here's a clip. Oh, God! Has anybody tried to revive him? He's got a knife plunged in his heart. I don't think he's revivable. Should we pull it out? No, it's a foot-long knife. It's just like pulling out. Man. I'll put it back. Don't put it back. Chief, will you listen to my husband? He's a detective. Yes, yes. What should we do, Mr. Officer? Well, for starters, let's stop removing and reinserting the murder weapon into the victim's chest. In fact, let's stop touching the body altogether. Now, Rafer, yes. you probably know this. I'm not sure if the listeners know this, but supposedly... This was the number one watched movie on Netflix in 2019. You know, Netflix always says that about everything, and I never know what to say when they <laughs> when they say that. Um, but yeah, you know, this was super popular, and I was willing to believe it this time um, for a couple of reasons. One is I think everyone is, for, ever since Just Go With It, back in whatever that was, 2010 or 2011, Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston, they just, they made this unlikely magic together, and people loved them, and here they were. <laughs> again that this in this you know kind of murder mystery rom-com kind of thing and the second thing was 
I was really surprised at how much I liked it. I, I, I was watching it thinking, you know, I mean, listen, you know, you Adam Sandler and Netflix in the same sentence, it never bodes well. And I just thought, <laughs> oh, man, this is, you know, and I felt I felt like, oh, my God. And now, you know, Jennifer Anderson's going to get her name dragged through the mud. Um, but, you know, oh, and the other thing I remember thinking is this was this was initially supposed to be a theatrical movie. It was supposed to be a theatrical release. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And um, somehow it just, you know, it. it if I remember right, it passed from kind of production company to production company, but at any rate, it, it just never quite cleared the bar. And so it wound up on Netflix and you can kind of see some of the glimmers of the money they spent. But I, I remember thinking in the, in the end, it's just this kind of fun, gentle little comedy and Sandler and Aniston are both really sweet together. They're funny and they just, they get to play the kind of bumbling, crass Americans who are surrounded by the wealthy Europeans, which is always fun. They play off each other really well. It's sweet. Uh, Luke Evans, Terrence Stamp, some pretty good people in the um, in the support cast. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised, and I recommended it to several people, and um, everyone I know has liked it fine. I'm not going to say it's going to knock your socks off, but <laughs> it's kind of cute. Got a little macabre bits in it, you know, because of the murder, and maybe it'll fit the bill. Oh, I... Love that you just recommended a Netflix Adam Sandler movie. Rapper. I know. <laughs> it's a very special Halloween. It's a very special moment here. Um, but I enjoyed this movie, too. I'm just going to second your oh, recommendation good. here. I, I'm surprised it was going to be a theatrical release, though, because it does feel like a perfect movie to watch on the sofa, in my opinion. It totally, completely, completely. Well, Kristen, all right, I've, I've, I've put myself out on a limb with this one. How about you? What do you what's your recommendation? Well, Jason, Jason, if that's your real name, Mr. Friday the 13th, <laughs> um, I decided to not prescribe a movie, even though you asked for a rom-com movie. I decided instead to prescribe a rom-com TV series. There's three seasons of the show, also on Netflix, like Rafer's recommendation. It's called The Santa Clarita Diet. Do you know this, Rafer? I've never heard of this. Oh. Is there isn't isn't is there not an actual Santa Clarita diet, or did they just make that up? I have no idea. I should have looked that up. I wouldn't be surprised if there is. But Could uh, be. let me just tell you the premise here. It stars somebody who you love, Rafer, and I love, Drew Barrymore, another Adam Sandler favorite. Yes, yes. absolutely. And Timothy Oliphant. Oh yeah, they are a happily married forty-something suburban couple with a teenage daughter, a successful real estate business. In other words, their lives are perfectly pleasant, perfectly you know, the, the vision of success. But, you know, there's nothing special about them or their lives until that is, until Drew Barrymore's character, Sheila, undergoes an odd change that leaves her undead and craving oh. human flesh. <laughs> Oliphant's character, Joel, does all he can to help her stay nourished while also trying to figure out the cause of Sheila's transformation. And of course, while all of this is happening, they're also trying to do their best to maintain their roles as good and responsible parents. Here's a clip. Whatever this is, we need to talk to someone because we are not experts. And this is just the sort of thing the Internet will have a lot of misinformation about. I know someone. Who? A creeper. What's a creeper? Kind of a nerd who specializes in disturbing, weird, or gruesome shit. No pupillary response. Have you noticed any deteriorating flesh? No. Um, have you eaten anyone? No. But I may have thrown up an organ. We just want to know what's going on. Right. Well, she is dead and also undead. What the fuck? 
I'm sorry. What are you saying? She's a zombie? I don't like that word. I think it's inherently negative. I don't like it either. Well, let's not use it. How could this happen? We're realtors. So this this sounds like a this is like the um, funny comedy version of Let the Right One In or something. Oh, He's trying to right. Interesting. I never thought of it that way, but I mean, in a, in a way, it's, but uh, yeah, that's I I've never heard of this, and and you're saying it's good. Oh, it is delightful, especially the first season. Um, as I said, there's three seasons of the show. The first season in particular, I devoured it. It is so cute. You don't feel bad for anybody that they end up eating. Um, I, I you know, just a spoiler. You know, white supremacists, Nazis, etc. You know, maybe you deserve to be eaten by Drew Barrymore. Sure, maybe you do. Sure. <laughs> And I do have to say the rom-com aspect uh, between the characters, you know, Joel, he just loves Sheila so much. He wants to do anything for her. (laughs) They have dumb spats from time to time. But when it comes down to it, they just want to make each other happy. They're doing the best they can. They know that everybody has their transformations they go through in life. You know, the the girl you married fresh out of high school, she's probably not going to be that same girl forever. And in this case, Joel just really wants to adjust to that the best he can. It is really cute. It's really funny. And, you know, it's a little gross at moments, but the gross is so comically ridiculous. It's not really that gross. All right. Well, this sounds right up my alley. So I'm going to check this out. So again, our recommendations are Santa Clarita Diet from Kristen and from me, Murder Mystery, both on Netflix. Yes. We're going to take a quick break. But before we do, thank you, thank you, thank you, one and all who continue to rate us five stars in Apple Podcasts and write fabulous reviews. For example, Jenna Albany, New York, recently gave us five stars and wrote, I'm a big fan of one of Kristen's other shows, By the Book. I found this new podcast, and I'm thrilled to have done so. I love all the TV and movie suggestions and hearing kind advice from one stranger to another. A great show if you love By the Book, and even if you don't. Well, thanks very much, Jenna Albany, New York, and all the other By the Book listeners who've taken the leap and joined us here on Movie Therapy as well. I know I'm very proud to be a part of this one. And so am I. Well, stay with us, everyone. When we're back, we have someone whose teenager is seeing ghosts. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil. Did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus... Tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. 
So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with our second letter of the week. This one is from someone who has asked that we call her another Emily. <laughs> so many Emilys. <laughs> I, I feel like we have not gone a week without an Emily in months now. Either. <laughs> I don't either. I like it. It's a good running joke that's not supported by us. It's a running joke from the actual listeners. I, I like that. We, we didn't start the fire. No. They did. <laughs> All right. Another Emily says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I really enjoy the show and I'm hoping this question is in time for your Halloween themed episode. Yes, it is. It is Emily. Another Emily continues, My teen is seeing shadows out of the corner of her eyes and sees faces in the windows. She's so terrified at night that she sleeps with the lights on. I think these beings are a result of anxiety and many people have tried to provide her with rational answers. We're working on the anxiety directly with a therapist, but what I'm looking for is a supernatural solution in which she can learn to overcome or befriend these presences on their terms. I don't know anything about these genres having grown up in a skeptical home, and I also don't like horror with which the supernatural is often associated. Thank you in advance for any insights. That is a serious letter. Um, I have some friends, and I won't provide any details, but I have some friends who have a teenager um, who is also going through some pretty heavy stuff like that. And the and the behavior they have described, you know, I think is, is pretty difficult and pretty difficult to um, deal with. And it's pretty clear that this behavior is coming from anxiety. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. There's all this uncertainty. Um, you know, there's a lot of fear. And boy, my heart goes out to you, another Emily, uh, in all seriousness, that sounds difficult, you know, especially, you know, it's, it's your, it's your kid, uh, you know, you're the one responsible for your kid. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of feelings wrapped up in all this. So, uh, but I think you're doing the right thing, obviously to go to a therapist, uh, of course, and, and have this looked at. Um, but it sounds like you're doing the right thing by trying to watch a movie and maybe bond with your child and, and uh, watch something that might help. And um, boy, I hope Kristen and I can give you some help here. What do you say, Kristen? Yeah, I, I hope so too. And I just also want to say, I have one friend, Liz, she and her sister and her mother have always seen ghosts uh -huh. and started to, I think in their early teens, or maybe it was, you know, when they were like eight or nine, but this is something that her whole family says all the girls have seen. Wow. And Liz is a very logical person. She's not somebody who I would describe as very woo-woo in any way. But it's interesting because it turns out that some of the ghosts that she's seen, when the family looked up the history of houses they've lived in, they were able to identify certain things that were in common where it's like, oh, a little girl did die in this house who, oh. who did wear a nightgown, you know, when she died. Um, and I think that's really interesting because... I'm not somebody who tends to believe these things myself, but because I have friends who have, I yep. I have no reason to question my friends. I, I trust them on all other matters. So I don't think they're lying to me when they say these. they saw these things. I really believe them. And um, also, I don't know if you remember, Rafer, but years ago, many years ago, we interviewed the person on whom the TV show, The Ghost Whisperer, was based on. Yep. Do you remember? Yep, I do. do I remember, remember that? that. Yep, that's right. Yeah. And 
And she came off as very level and reasonable, too. Do you remember yep, that? She did. She did not come off yep. as weird or kooky. Nope. She came off as very logical, uh, very knowledgeable about history, about all sorts of matters of the human heart. She seemed terrific when we talked to her. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I'm I'm a real skeptic, too, and, and um, kind of a literalist. Uh, in, in a lot of ways. And um, in fact, it took me a long time. <laughs> it took me a very long time to ask to actually like, grasp the concepts of like symbolism and metaphor, which is surprising for someone who majored in English and became a film critic. But it's true. <laughs> like I, it took me a real took me a long, long time before I kind of understood um, the kind of dual meanings of these things, you know, what it mm-hmm. what it was, what it was like to grapple with something that was sim- symbolic of something or representative of something and how that thing could also be real. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Well, Kristen, did you did you come up with something good for this for this mother and daughter? Well, I hope so. I was thinking of that ghost whisperer that we interviewed years ago, Rafer, and I decided that's the TV show that this parent and child should watch together. Okay. There are five seasons of The Ghost Whisperer. They're all currently, at the time of this taping, they're all on Hulu. Of course, that might change next month. That might be, you know, moved to Netflix. Who knows? But sure. as of the moment of this taping, all five seasons are on Hulu. If you're not familiar with the show... Jennifer Love Hewitt plays Melinda. She is a woman who runs an antique shop and who also has the ability to see ghosts and communicate with them. And each ghost seeks out Melinda's help because they either want to relay a message or they need help completing unfinished business or they just want to come to peace with some aspect of their life. And um, once they do so, they can cross over into the light. Here's a clip. Hello, Emily. How come you know my name? Do you remember mine? It's Melinda. Don't talk so loud. You'll wake my mom. She's not here. Yes, she is. When was the last time that you saw her? I don't know. She's not here anymore. Look, I'll show you. Where are you going? Now! To the bedroom. She's going to be angry. Jake says she doesn't want to be bothered. Who's Jake? Is he your brother? Stop! I'm just trying to help you. There's no one in there. Don't go in there! Gosh, I always love Jennifer Love Hewitt. <laughs> She's I very have, sweet, isn't she? Yeah. She's I just a real to, sweetheart. I, I always had a thing for her. I just have to admit it. Yeah, she's a real sweetheart. And she's very sweet on the show. She's very empathetic. I will admit that occasionally the way the ghosts present themselves initially, it can be sometimes a little surprising, maybe even a little scary. But very, very quickly, the show in every episode helps you to realize most of these ghosts are very sympathetic characters. Most are feeling unhappy about their own sense of regret or of guilt. None of these ghosts are what I would call evil or demonic or those other things we see in horror movies. They're not like that. And I will confess, I have cried watching some episodes of the show because sometimes have it you? really... Oh, yes, I know. It's ridiculous. I mean, I do cry <laughs> a lot. I love crying. But yeah. I, I will say it. I have cried watching the show before because it really does try to present all of us as we're going to die someday. The best we can do is live a good life. Maybe some of us won't do everything right. 
Maybe some of us will die with regrets. Maybe some of us will come back as ghosts and hopefully make peace and know that those things we regret, they're not that big of a deal. It's going to be fine. Almost every ghost in the end realizes like they're haunting themselves more than anything else. So uh, that's interesting. I like yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping uh, another Emily, when you and your daughter watch this, that maybe it will open up some conversations. Maybe you'll be able to have bigger discussions, deeper discussions about what she's going through. And maybe also, I'm, I'm just going to tell you something the ghost whisperer told us when Rafer and I interviewed her. A lot of the ghosts that you see really just want to play. If they present themselves, they may look like they're scary. They may look shocking. But a lot of them, they just aren't quite ready to leave this world yet. Not because they're upset or full of remorse, but some of them just want to play. So maybe maybe that will bring things uh, to a more peaceful spot in your house. But Rafer, I am curious to know what you, you who are even more skeptical than I, <laughs> what you're going to recommend to another Emily. Well, you know, this is a tough one because most ghost movies are, you know, pretty scary. They're 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 horror movies, yes. um, you know, and 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 like you say, there's always these movies in which um, the ghosts the ghosts always want something. Um, again, took mm-hmm. me many years to realize that. As many ghost stories as I've seen, it really took me a long time <laughs> where I thought, you know, it seems to me like the ghosts always want something in these movies. Um, but it's hard to think of a non-scary one. So I thought of one. I don't know. This might be a little bit young for the teenager that we're talking about here, but I still think it's it's great. Uh, if she hasn't seen it, I'm going to recommend Spirited Away, the um, the Japanese animated classic movie from 2001, the Studio Ghibli movie. This is the movie that kind of put that studio on the map. It's considered to be a real masterpiece of animation. And the story is all about spirits. And it's all about living in a spirit world and coming to terms with those spirits. Um, so the story is uh, a girl named Chihiro. She's, I think, nine or ten. She's on a vacation with her parents, and they, uh, I think they take a wrong turn. They wind up in this abandoned village. They encounter a witch named Yubaba, who turns the parents into pigs. And in order to turn the parents back into humans, the girl has to take a job in the witch's bathhouse. But it's not a bathhouse for people. It's a bathhouse for spirits. Here's a clip. Once when I was little, I dropped my shoe into a river. When I tried to get it back, I fell in. I thought I'd drowned, but the water carried me to shore. It finally came back to me. The river's name was the Kohaku River. I think that was you. And your real name is Kohaku River. You did it, Shihiro. I remember I was the spirit of the Kohaku River. A river spirit? My name is the Kohaku River. They filled in that river. It's all apartments now. That must be why I can't find my way home, Shihiro. I remember you falling into my river, and I remember your little pink shoe. So you were the one who carried me back into shallow water. You saved me. I knew you were good. Now, Rafer, I don't think you have to worry that this movie is too young, because when it came out, almost everybody I know who loved it and watched it was an adult. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Adults love this movie. Adults rewatch this movie. This movie has so many fans who are grown-ups. And um so I don't think that's an issue at all. Okay, well I'm I'm glad to hear it. The one thing I would say about this movie for me, it's a little odd. You know, there's there's just a lot of there are a lot of cultural differences I think 
between Japan and America and some little things that get lost in translation. You know, this, the, the bathhouse is not a place that most Americans are familiar with. And these spirits and the way they function kind of don't quite function, I think, the way that spirits would function in American movies. But, but still, they are spirits, and they kind of run the gamut. The, the, the river spirit is the main one. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's a stink spirit. Uh, the creepiest one to me was No Face, the, the really the quiet one who's got kind of oh, the mime, yeah, yeah. right? It's got sort of the mime face. But anyway, the the but you know, despite the kind of little cultural things that might strike you as a little peculiar, you know, the point of the story is that Chihiro, the girl, she rises to this occasion and she faces everything with bravery, even though she's scared. She's not just you know I, I'm you know hands on her hips and I'm going to confront that ghost. She's scared and she does it anyway, which I think is all was the most valuable lesson for kids and she she deals with these spirits and she she doesn't just try to conquer them she tries to understand them and embrace them and figure out like we were saying what it is they want and what's bothering them and what's troubling them and how to help them and and they sort of in some ways become her friends and i like i like that a lot and i feel like that's a pretty valuable lesson for someone who's going through anxiety and it's got a lot of fear over unseen things or against things that they're not kind of admitting to themselves maybe you know so this idea that you that you confront something with a with the end of the goal of embracing it and understanding it i think is a lot better than confronting something with the intention of conquering it uh, um and so that seems more helpful to me and so that's why i recommend spirited away I think that's a great recommendation, Rafer. And Spirited Away is usually available in lots and lots of different places, too. Oh, Um, sure. Yeah. yeah, You can find that anywhere. It's very easy to find. So, again, from Rafer, Spirited Away, and from me, The Ghost Whisperer, which is currently on Hulu. All right. We're going to take another quick break. But before we do, do you need some movie therapy? Visit our website, RaferAndKristen.com, and fill out the contact form. You don't have to use your real name. And if you haven't already, join the conversation on our Facebook community. That's facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen. When we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next letter of the week. Yeah, Film Vault. We are one of the original film podcasts. That can't be true. There was like two other film podcasts when we began, Brian. How long have we been doing this show? You and I first sat down and did a version of the show over 20 years ago. My God. There is shtick, but it's very little shtick. We finished each other's... Sandwiches? Close enough. Was that a joke on a movie? That, yeah, that's from uh, Frozen. Oh, it is. Pretty bad. Ugh. Oh, look at you. I don't want to be like quoting and, Frozen Anderson, on this Anderson, promo. Okay, peek behind the curtain. Anderson's nope. like the Frozen guy. Like He'll constantly reference animated films, family films, and I'm more the edgy indie guy. We do have the tropey thing going on where Brian does like the big Hollywood sexy summer movies. I'm always looking for like the hidden gems. Mm. Two episodes each week. One. We are review movies and the first episode and the second one, top five time. Top five, different top five every week. Movies that made you cry. Worst movie accents. Most disturbing movies. All right, The Film Vault, check it out. Wherever you find a fine podcast. That's right, The Film Vault's going on 20 plus years. Welcome to the future in this year's wildest super fun show for adults. Hey gang, it's Josh Olson. 
And Joe Dante. And we want to tell you about our podcast. It's about movies. Josh, there are a thousand podcasts about movies. Sure, but ours is different, Joe. That's true, actually. Our guests are writers, directors, musicians, comedians, actors. Hell, we even have other podcasters on. We play no favorites, and they don't talk so much about their own work but about the movies that have influenced them and made them who they are. We call out the movies that made me. We've talked with people like Guillermo del Toro, Little Stevie Van Zandt, Martin Short, Ethan Hawke, William Freakin, Barbara Crampton, Jonathan Ross, Dennis Lehane, Mark Duplass, Adam McKay, Lorraine Newman, Jason Reitman, Alex Anders, Elijah Wood, Stephen Canales, Eli Roth, Joe Bob Briggs, Roger Corman, Bobcat Goldthwait, Leon Douglas, Dana Gould, Martin Campbell, Shane Black, Albert Hughes, Emily Deschanel, Joe Biafra, Ari Fessenden, Nicole Hawson, Rashad King, Lee Daniels, Rosalind Chow, Clancy Brown, Garvey Smith, Ike Barrow, Steve Arkett, Thomas Bell, Jim, Prince, and Uwe Boll. It may not be highbrow, but it's lots of fun. Subscribe for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. In color to thrill you as never before. We are back and it's time, Rafer, for this week's What Should I Watch Next Letter. I'll let you read this one. Well, I love this letter. It comes from B-Movie Curious, which, first of all, is utter brilliance as a as a Great name. name. Great name. Uh, so this listener says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, hello. I know I am super late to the party, but my husband and I happened upon Plan 9 from Outer Space, the insanely bad sci-fi movie from 1959, and we had a blast watching it together. It was so wonderfully horrible, and reading all the actor bios afterward was also quite entertaining. Somehow, I'm craving more terrible short old movies with quirky actors. What should I watch next? Yay! I am so glad we got a letter about B-movies. I love B-movies. Totally. I mean... Me too. Not surprisingly, I, you know... I think most listeners know by now I love a made-for-TV movie. I love a sexploitation movie. I love a black exploitation yes. movie. And, of course, that means I love just a good old-fashioned B-movie. I love them. I love them. And uh, B-movie curious, it, it's great that you are dipping your toe into this world as well. And, and what, a, what, a great, what a great place to start. I mean, it's just – that movie is just unparalleled for <laughs> – costumes and set design and cinematography and <laughs> i love the way you're stuff. using the word set design as if it doesn't just look like it was like filmed in a box with a bunch of paper plates as spacecraft oh, and so, it's so on so good and the, fake, <laughs> the fake bella lugosi who's not bella lugosi with his, his, cape, his cape in front of his face oh my god oh it's good yeah well um you know here's what i would say about b movies to be totally honest the thing about a really the thing about a great b movie is you could really make an argument that it's just actually a really great movie. Yes. You know, I think so many of those movies are like that. One of my favorite movies of all time, which I'm I'm not going to recommend for this particular segment, but I'll save it for another time, is a movie called High School Confidential. Ah, yes. And I love that movie. And That's actually a, I think people That's a good movie though. I think it's actually a really good movie and I could argue that it's really good and I would I would argue the same about my choice and and Kristen I know what you're recommending and I would argue the same about yours but do uh, you want to go first you want me to go first Sure I'll go first All right you go I'm going to recommend a movie that the tide has turned back and forth over the years on this movie when it first came out it was not very well received. It's a good point. And uh, second wave feminists absolutely abhorred this movie initially. And then something happened in the mid to late 90s where people started rewatching it and loving it. And there was a punk band named after this movie. There were critics like Roger Ebert singing its praises. The movie I am talking about is Russ Meyer's probably most famous film, Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill from 1965. And notably, the entire movie is currently on YouTube from start to finish. So all you got to do is click on some YouTube and watch Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. 
Now, Rafer, you've obviously seen this movie. This is one of my favorite films. Again, I would I would argue this is actually just a great movie. Um, yes. But uh, but, t- but t- tell tell us the story, just because I just, I just want to sit here like a like a kid at bedtime with my with my <laughs> face in my hands and listen to you tell the story because I love it so much. Oh, it is so good. We have three go-go dancers: Billy, Rosie, and Varla. <laughs> they are busty. They are big. They are strong. They are sexy, and they do not take shit. They love racing their sports cars. And they do early on in a high-speed game of chicken end up encountering a young couple who, well, spoiler, they, you know, it's still pretty early in the movie, so I can say this. They end up killing him and they end up kidnapping her. And then they move on to other more crazy business. Uh, They find out that there is a guy who lives with his two sons out in the desert. They bring their little kidnap victim with them and they try to find what they believe, what they've heard through the grapevine, is some sort of a large stash of money this guy has. And I will not say anything more about the plot because I don't want to give away anymore, but here is a clip. Can you take the muscle or the scratch, Barla? I'll never knock muscle. But it's even better when you've got bread to enjoy it. And it's in there. Enough to buy ourselves a lot of swinging miles. Enough money to lose somebody, huh? A perfect place to lose anybody. But this little doll's our cover story. Her boyfriend was killed in a racing accident. She flipped. Ran away from home. Her family's big socially and doesn't want any publicity. So they asked us to find the girl. We found her. Just like we're going to find a big hunk of that long green. Oh, that is so phony. It's almost believable. You don't have to believe it, honey. Just act it. Now, let's move. But let's take the back door. Now, I already said this before. I'll say it again. This movie, the tides have turned many times on it. Some people still think it's trash. Yeah. I love this movie. And I'm going to tell you why I love it. It has everything you want in a great B-movie, but it also has everything you want in a great feminist anthem. Totally. you got girl-on-girl fights. you got girl-on-guy fights. You have drag racing. You have murder. You have seductive corn-on-the-cob eating. You have gratuitous weightlifting (laughs) scenes. You have gratuitous shower scenes. And bonus, this makes me so happy as an Asian-American woman, two of the go-go dancers are Asian-American. And the main one, the one who plays Varla... Her name is Tura Santana. She is so freaking fierce. She does all of her own stunts. She's somebody who, when she was growing yeah. up, learned Aikido, karate, and other martial arts. And she is not kidding around. You know, you look at her in some of these fight scenes and you're like, oh, yeah, she could kill me. She could definitely <laughs> kill me. Yeah, it, she's great. She really makes the movie, man. She's amazing. Oh, my God. She has some of the best lines. At one point, somebody talks about seeing America. He's staring at her chest, and she's like, you're not going to find it there, Columbus. That's right. I mean, some of her lines are just, she's so good. And apparently, um, Russ Meyer, despite writing a lot of it, apparently she ad-libbed a lot of her own lines, too. Yeah, I'd heard that. Yeah, she is so good. And one other reason I'm recommending this movie is... Because B-Movie Curious, you said that one of the things you enjoyed most about Plan 9 from Outer Space was afterward looking up all the bios of the people. You're going to love looking up the bios of everybody involved with Faster Pussycat. You're going to love it. This movie is so good. So good. Oh, yeah. I 
I could go on and on and on and talk about how good this movie is. It is so good. It really is. It's it's you know I'm a big Russ Meyer fan, and it's it's it really is like an amazingly directed film. And one thing that I've actually heard filmmakers and film professors uh, talk about is the editing, which was also done by Russ Meyer. And the editing in this movie is just fantastic. That scene where she's got the guys uh, uh, trying to uh, pin him against the wall with the car. Uh, yes. The wheel is right oh. next to his head. It's just, God, what a great scene. And it's a real forerunner to so much, so much great kind of trash cinema. You know what uh, John Waters said about the movie is um, it's the best movie that was ever made and the best movie that ever will be made. Yes. Um, so there you go. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a great movie. It's so good. And um, I could go on and on, but I'll just say one other thing, the framing of the shots. Oh yeah. <laughs> Frequently it's just like, two women standing with their legs shoulder length apart and you're just staring at their butts and you see a guy crawling yeah. away like those kinds of things <laughs> so yeah, good it's so good so it's like good a, it's like a it's like a jiggle a, a, a kurosawa or something it's yes. just yeah it's fan, it's fantastic yeah these women do not take shit you're gonna love it you're gonna love it <laughs> but enough about this because rafer we could make a two-hour podcast just talk about faster pussycat god we totally could we totally could <laughs> all right uh i I've, I've got a good little obscurity as well uh from about the same era 1965 this one's called village of the giants and this is a great movie that I caught uh, on TV as a kid and um, just fell in love with. I just cackled myself sick over it. It was so fun and so funny. Great teen exploitation flick. It's about a little kid named Genius, played by Ronnie, later known as Ron Howard. And he invents this stuff called goo. It's like this sort of pinkish, purplish, it looks like maybe like tofu or something. <laughs> uh, and if you eat it, as they discover when they feed it to some ducks, it makes you grow into a giant. So they think they're thinking, you know, initially they, you know, this goo stuff seems kind of dangerous. Well, some snotty punk teenage kids come to town and they get a hold of the goo and they seem to kind of think it's drugs. The way they talk about it makes you think <laughs> these guys, these guys think it's drugs and they eat it. And they all grow to be about 50 feet tall. And so what do they do? They do what any teenager would do. They take over the town and they terrorize the citizens. Here's a trailer. This is just the beginning of the wildest, weirdest adventure you've ever seen. I don't care for playing fair. I'm not the sharing kind. Now anything goes. And everything grows. And this is where the fun really began. I wonder if this makes everything grow. Hey, will you cut it out and leave it alone, huh? Freddy boy, if I want to try some of this stuff, just don't you try and stop me, understand? And try it, they did. Sheriff, we are going to take over this town. Now, first of all, there's going to be a nine o'clock curfew for all adults. <laughs> this sounds ridiculous. Oh, it's so good. This sounds so fun and so ridiculous. It really is great. And, you know, again, I would argue that it's actually kind of good. Um, you know, so first of all, it's a really clever twist, I think, on the on the old H.G. Wells story. Uh, it's got a little bit of Alice in Wonderland to it. The giantism effects, the, the, the size effects are really simple and really effective. It's just like green screen and trick photography and, and occasionally some very, very large legs, <laughs> which I guess were maybe made of some kind of, you know, uh, plaster of Paris or something. I don't know what. 
the director, a guy named Bert I. Gordon, um, never choose I for your middle initial no, as a stage name. Don't that's, do that. That's, that's what I say. But Bert I. Gordon is this guy who made almost nothing but giant creature movies. Um, so by the time he got to this one, he was pretty good at it. Bo Bridges plays the main teenager, and I always like Bo Bridges. He's really good in it, uh, very smarmy and snotty. Um, <laughs> and the whole thing is just like a great kind of pre-hippie time capsule. It's fun. It's funny. You know, as you might guess, Quentin Tarantino is a big fan. Um, if you heard that trailer there, there's a song in there from Jack Nietzsche, the composer called The Last Race. It's got this kind of cowboy, spaghetti western, surf rock feel. Quentin Tarantino reused that for Death Proof. The one thing I'll say is you can't stream this one as far as I know, not legally. Um, you got to buy the DVD, but I'm telling you, it is worth every penny. Wow. Rafer. I have never seen this movie before, but it sounds delicious. Delicious. It's like a lot a, of fun. Like like a party-sized bag of Cheetos. I'd be all over that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So once again, for our B movies, I think we've got two winners. Kristen says, Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill. And I say, Village of the Giants. Oh. Well, Rafer, I cannot believe it. It is time to hang up our microphones, put on our costumes, and go trick-or-treating because that's it for this week's episode of Movie Therapy. That one happened fast. I And I got to say, this makes me a little bummed out. I'm like I'm like one of our listeners because I don't think there's any trick-or-treating going on out here either. Oh. How about where you I'm are? I'm just going to go from my bathroom to my bedroom to the kitchen to the hallway, and I'm going <laughs> to hide candy in each of those places, and I'm going to go around wearing a costume and pick up pieces of candy in each of those places. Aww. Yeah, and I'll just say trick that's, or treat and then nobody will talk back to me, but there'll be candy there. <laughs> Going to eat all the candy. <laughs> God, that sounds sad and pathetic, doesn't it? <laughs> that doesn't sound half bad to be totally honest. That sounds perfectly fine. Uh, all right, everybody. So listen, don't hesitate to reach out to us if you need some questionable advice and some solid movie recommendations. You can email us at raferandkristen at gmail.com. And you can also tweet us at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. And please tell your friends about our show. Tell your vampires about the show. Tell your witches about the show. Tell your teenage werewolves about the show. Until next time, I'm Rafer Guzman. Ha, 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 ha. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. Into the night. For over a hundred years, the world has been captivated by Hollywood. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Where stars are born. But just beneath the stardust lie a million more fascinating stories that when sewn together form an incredible history. The Secret History of Hollywood, available now wherever you get podcasts. Mm-hmm.